You're listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. I know we got some people that are not just stoked for Christmassy stuff, but you guys are also stoked for the Word of God. And so I've got a word for you, and I'm going to have to make it quick because that worship was awesome, y'all. That worship was so good. Make some noise for Maddie Brown and her team. Make some noise for them. Okay. I I did the impossible, y'all. I shortened my message. You should be proud of me. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You are, you're welcome. And we're going to jump straight in tonight. If you're taking notes, get your journal out. Get your phone out. Lean in tonight. I know this is a Christmas message, but God always speaks. Every time we open his word is an opportunity to hear his voice. If, if it's a Christmas message or not. And so I want you to lean in with me tonight. We're gonna be starting off in John chapter one, one of my favorite sections of scripture in all of the Bible, talking about Jesus. And I wanna start in verse nine, and here's what it says. It says, the true light, talking about Jesus, which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. Somebody say, they didn't know He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Amen. Amen. I love God's word. If you were taking notes tonight, the title of the message is, The Gift I Didn't Know I Needed. The gift that I didn't know I needed. Let's pray before we get into this. Father, I thank you so much for my new song, Students Family. God, I look around this room and I see students who love you. I see students who are picking up their faith, owning it themselves. But more importantly, God, I see students that you love that you love more than we can even comprehend or imagine. And God, in the midst of the Christmas busy, the hustle and the bustle tonight, Holy Spirit, would you wake us up to the gift that I didn't know that I needed? I pray that you would wake every heart up tonight to the gift that's available to us through Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. Amen. Okay, so y'all know, obviously, it's the Christmas season. And y'all like the Christmas season, right? I love the Christmas season. It's that time of the year when hot chocolate is making its comeback, its annual comeback, which, by the way, I was thinking about this today. It's, it's never, I've never thought about this before until this week, but it's kind of crazy how like companies like Swiss Miss don't go out of like business out of the 10 years out of the, or 10 months out of the year where nobody is drinking hot chocolate, right? Have you ever thought about that before? Like, have you ever met somebody drinking hot chocolate in the middle of the summer? If you do that, you're beast, like for real, beast mode. I don't know how Swiss Miss doesn't go out of business 10 months out of the year, y'all. It's that time of the year when we start to do very strange traditions that nobody questions, like putting trees inside of our house. Nobody questions that. We, eat, we all do this. We all eat an ungodly amount of cookies around this time of the year. And, and then what else do we do? We watch really cheesy, not very good 90s movies, just because... That's what you do in this Christmas season. But above all else, above all else, this is the time of the year where most of us, whether we want to admit this or not, we are all asking this question. What do I want for Christmas? 
Let's be real. Who's thought of that question already in your mind? What do I want for Christmas? Why? Well, because like this is the time of the year. This is the one chance you have all year long where you are allowed to be a little selfish, right? You're allowed to be a little obsessive about what that thing is that you want that's going to make your life just a little bit happier, right? What do I want for Christmas? And we live in a pretty materialistic world, would you say? We live in a pretty materialistic world. And so there's definitely a materialistic element to Christmas in our world. We've got clothing, clothing brands, we've got uh, technology companies, entertainment industries, that all of these things are beautifully packaging something, and they're telling you and me, you need this thing this Christmas season. You need that pair of shoes. You need to watch this movie. It's amazing. You need this new iPhone. It's going to make your life better. But what tends to happen every single year around Christmas is I get the thing that I thought I wanted, and then by the end of January, I'm already bored of it, right? Have you ever been there before? You got this gift you wanted all year long, and then you're bored of it by February? I've been there before. We also live in a world that gets really sentimental around this time of the year. And we hear about how Christmas is not about stuff. It's about being with your being with your family. That's what it's all about. That's what's going to make you truly happy if you are just with your family. But this emphasis on our families, what it can actually do sometimes is it can magnify the unhealth in our families. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. And we can start to see the brokenness in our families more than ever before. Or we can start to recognize the loss that we experienced this year more than ever before during the holidays. Or maybe we start to experience the loneliness that we feel in our family because we don't feel connected to our family. So right now, in this season of Christmas, our culture is telling us you need stuff and you need to be with your family. That's the two things it's telling us to do. And what happens is we discover by February that we got what we wanted and we spent time with our family, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. And I'm not saying tonight, that it's bad for us to get gifts. And I'm not saying tonight, it's bad for you to hang out with your family. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is gifts aren't enough. Your family isn't enough. We get what we wanted, but it wasn't enough. We eventually realized it wasn't what I needed. Somebody say needed. And this is what Christmas is all about. But there's a beautiful, there's an amazing way that we as believers get to view Christmas. There's a Christian perspective to Christmas that's amazing. So here's the question I want to pose for us tonight, New Song students. What do you need for Christmas? What do you need? Or here's another one. Do you know what you need for Christmas? Because this is what makes the the Christian perspective of Christmas so unique during this time of the year. Christians aren't saying that Christmas isn't about gifts And we're not saying Christmas isn't about spending time with family. That's actually exactly what we're saying. It's just that the gift we're talking about isn't what you think you want. It's what God knows you need. Because God gave us a gift that we didn't want, but he knew that we needed. Because the reality is Christmas is about receiving gifts and it is about a family. But just like in John, that passage I opened up with, that passage tells us that we are born in this world where we don't know what we need. We only know what we want. Look at this, John 10, John 1 verses 10 says, he was in the world, Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Jesus was in the world and the world was made through him. You and I were made through Jesus, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Now, there's an amazing story 
in Luke chapter 15 that paints kind of this, this aspect beautifully in scripture. I wanna read it to you. It's about the prodigal son. Y'all familiar with the prodigal son story? Now, we, if you're new here at New Song Students, uh, we love God's word. We read God's word. So I'm gonna read the whole prodigal son story to you. Is that cool with y'all? I promise you can handle it. Look to your neighbor and say, you can handle it. Let's jump into it. Verse 11, Luke 15 says this. And he said, this is Jesus talking. There was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. Give me my inheritance. And he, the father, divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. He was living it up recklessly. Verse 14, and when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself to be one of the citizens of that country who sent him out into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. That's nasty. And no one gave him anything. They wouldn't even give him pigs to. That's gross. But verse 17, when he came to himself, he woke up. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go back to my father and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Y'all hanging in with me? Yeah. Verse 22, and he arose and came to his father. But while he was a still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to his father, he's about to say his I'm sorry speech to his dad. Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Is this ringing a bell with anybody? Yeah. This is a good story, y'all. Can y'all handle a couple more verses? Yeah. Verse 25, now his older son was in the field, and he came and drew to the house. He heard music and dancing. They were packing the house, y'all. It was rowdy up in there. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And the servant said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound, but he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your commandment. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came who devoured your property and prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, I want you to lean with me. This is the father's response to the son. This is so good. Son, you are always with me. Yep. Somebody say, you, you are always, always with, me. with me. You are always with me. And all that is mine is already yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead. And now he is found. This is an amazing story, y'all. This is a beautiful story that reveals to us the father heart 
of God. And what's interesting about this story is most Bible translations call this story the story of the prodigal son. But what's interesting is that this story is not just about one lost son. It's not just about one lost son. It's about two. Somebody say two. It's about two lost sons. Both of this man's sons were unaware of the gift. They were unaware of the gift that they needed that was right in front of their eyes. And both of these sons received a gift that they didn't want, but they needed. Somebody say they needed. They didn't want this gift, but they received gifts that they needed. And so what I wanna go through tonight really quickly is two gifts that these sons received that they didn't want, but they needed in order to open their eyes to the gift they already had. Are you following me? First one is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. By the way, this is exactly the same gift that Jesus operate, or offers us through his life, death, and resurrection on the cross. But this first gift is the one that the first son received. And if you're taking notes, write this down. It is the gift of rock bottom. <laughs> Merry Christmas, y'all. <laughs> the gift of rock bottom. We see this son, the first one, receiving a gift of hitting rock bottom in his life. Not necessarily something that we would call a gift, but sometimes in, in a person's life, what we actually need is to go through an experience where we hit rock bottom so that we open our eyes to know the need that we have for God. Now we find this first son at the opening of the story. He comes to his father and he asks for what? What does he ask for? His inheritance early. Now, normally in Jewish culture, you get an inheritance, but it's when your father dies. So what he does is not uncommon necessarily. You could do this back then, but what it was, was very offensive. Because you know what this was basically saying to his father? It was saying, hey, I don't want you, dad. I just want your stuff. I, I don't need a relationship with you, dad. All I want is that inheritance check. So I'll take that and I don't need you. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it was offensive. And the father's response is crazy. The father doesn't respond upset by saying, well, okay, son, maybe if you would do your dishes and do your laundry a little bit and show, you, show me that you earned this check, then I would give it to you. No, he doesn't say that at all. The father doesn't try to manipulate the son. He doesn't try to force the son into relationship with him because that wouldn't be real love. So what does he do? He actually gives the son what he asked for, knowing that it probably wasn't going to end well for him. And God, in the same way, will never force you or I to see him as our father. He will never force any of us into a relationship with him, even though he knows the relationship we have with him is the very thing that we needed. In fact, Romans chapter one, verses 21 says this, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Therefore, look at this, God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts and impurity to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served creature rather than creator. You see, this is exactly what the son did with his father. This son knew his father, but he didn't know his father was the thing that he needed. He thought it was the inheritance check that he needed. And so spoiler alert, what do we know? He gets the inheritance check and it doesn't end very well for him, right? He ends up going 
having everything he wants. He gets the friends he wants. He gets the wild parties that he wants. He gets the new environment, the cool new friends. But then when trouble strikes, we find him doing the very thing he would have never saw himself doing as a Jewish man, which is hungering for pig slop. No Jewish man would have ever done that. We find this man at rock bottom. And this is the moment in a person's life when you are so low, you're so deep in sin that it actually wakes you up to the direction your life is going. Look at this, James chapter one, verse 15 says this, then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings death. So the son didn't realize it, but the desires that he was chasing after for sin, rather than relationship with his God, with God, we're exchanging truths for lies. And James tells us that when we chase sin, more than we chase in relationship with God, it is going in one direction, and that's death. That's the only direction it's going. And so the son in this moment, in the middle of his sin, actually receives a beautiful gift. He hits rock bottom in his life. And in this moment, when he is hungering for pig slop, he wakes up to the direction that his life is going, and he turns to God. He turns back to his father. And the reality is, this is crazy. The father did not make the son hit rock bottom. You know that, right? Like the father didn't make the son or give the son or, or organize the rock bottom moment. He just allowed it to happen. And in the same way, you know, God will never force a relationship with you and me. But when we desire sin more than him, he will allow us to hit rock bottom. And this is actually a gift. You know, I've hit rock bottom before. I think there's a lot of people in this room who have hit rock bottom before. And even though it was a dark season in my life, it was actually a gift because it woke me up to the direction my life was going. You know, 10 years ago in January, I gave my life to the Lord. It was my senior year in high school, January, 2013. I gave my life to the Lord and it wasn't because I felt the Holy Spirit goosebumps in a service. It was because I hit rock bottom in my life. I had been living a lie. I had been sleeping with my girlfriend from youth group at the time. I was at this point where I was thinking I was going to be an 18-year-old father. And it woke me up. I hit rock bottom in my life, and it woke me up. And in this year, I, I didn't turn back to that desire. I turned to the Lord. And I'm telling you, 10 years later, life with the Lord is no, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. You want to make the Lord your father. And you don't have to hit rock bottom to do that. You don't have to hit rock bottom to do that. In fact, we see the other side of the coin with the other brother. Because the second gift that we see that was received is this, the gift of unearned grace. If you're taking notes, write that down. The gift of unearned grace. Now, remember, there was two sons in the story, right? And even though that older son was at home, like the location that his body was in was home, he actually wasn't home. He was home, but he wasn't home. Because the story tells us that when the prodigal son returned home and the father received him back, he didn't just receive him back and was like, oh, son, I love you, it's okay, I'm not mad at you. No, he received him back and he packed the house for this dude. He, had, he got hot chocolate, he got a 360 rotating camera, he put a new pack the house hoodie on him, like he did it all. He, he's lavished unearned grace on this son who didn't deserve it. 
and the older son comes in and he sees what's happening and he's like, hold up, hold up. Is this party for my brother? My backsliding brother? Dad, do you know what he did? He does not deserve this. I deserve this party. I've never disobeyed you and I didn't get a party. This son, I want you to see that even though he looked like he was home, we find out through this response that he was actually lost. He was lost. He thought that his performance determined his place in the family, and he didn't get the gift he wanted, which was a party for himself, but he got the gift he needed. You know what the gift he needed was? Seeing his father lavish unearned grace on somebody who didn't deserve it. That was the gift that he needed. Because in this moment, what I want you to see is that the father sees this as a teaching opportunity. And look at what he says to the son. Verse 31, he says, and he said to him, son, you are always with me. You are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. So what both of these sons were woken up to from the gift of hitting rock bottom and the gift of unearned grace is this. This is the gift that I believe is, that Christmas is about. And if you're taking notes, write this down. It's the gift of a father. Amen. The gift of a father. You know, this gift that both of these sons received was a relationship with their dad. That was the gift that they were awoken to. And New Song students, you and I were wired with a need to be fathered. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much you think you're your own person and you don't need your parents or you don't need your mom or you don't need your dad. You and I were DNA genetically coded to need a father. And actually the absence or the presence of a father drastically changes a person's life. I want, you to, I want to show you some statistics. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 90%, that's a big percentage, of all homeless runaway children are from fatherless homes. 85% of children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 85% of youths in prison come from fatherless homes. Okay, this last one is cool. If a child is the first person in the family to accept Christ and join the church, the rest of the family will do the same only three and a half percent of the time. If the mother is the first person to be saved, that goes up 17%. But if the father is the first to accept Christ and join the church, the rest of his family will follow 93% of the time. So I wanna, be, I wanna be sensitive to the fact that statistically speaking, there are a lot of you in the room tonight who don't have a father present. You don't have a father present or you do have a father and he's not a good one. He's not a good one emotionally. He's not there for you. He provides for you, but that's it. I wanna be sensitive to the fact that that might be you tonight. And here's what I'm not saying with those statistics. I'm not saying that is you because in God, you have the power to not become one of those statistics. But what I am trying to get you to see is that it doesn't matter who you are, what kind of family you come from, you need a father. Yes. You need a father. And this is what Christmas is about. The God of the universe made a way for him to be your dad. I love it. And you may be here tonight, and it's pretty hard for you to imagine God as your father because, like I said, you don't have a father. Your father left you. And so how could God be that kind of father to you? Or maybe you're here tonight and you do have a dad, 
but he's never told you he loves you. He doesn't hug you. you. You don't even, all he does is provide for you. And so you look and you project that kind of father onto God. This is what we tend to do. We tend to project our physical dads onto our heavenly father. But what I want you to know is God is not a imperfect father. He is your perfect father. God is the best dad you could ever have. In fact, Romans 8, 8, 5 says this, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons in whom we cry, Abba, Father. And that word Abba, we talk about this at church a lot. That doesn't just mean like father. Like that's not, that's not Abba, it's daddy, daddy. God wants to intimately father every single person on this planet, but a lot of us are blind to that need we have. We're blind to that need. And these are the gifts that, that God wants to give us to open us up to that truth. And so what does God do as our father? I wanna close with this and I wanna invite the band to come up. John three sixteen. we know this verse. It's the most famous verse in all of scripture. It's written on the back of in and out cups because in and out is blessed, hashtag blessed. And this is what John three sixteen says. You know it, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. What does God do as your father? Number one is this, he loves. He loves, he loves you. Did you know that? I, I know we hear that all of the time. God is love, God loves you, but God is crazy about you. And you know, scripture even tells us that you can't even comprehend the love of God. You have to pray a prayer and ask God to help you even comprehend how much God loves you. I wanna show this to you, Ephesians 3.18. Look at this. And you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ. Look at this. Though it is too great for you to fully understand, then you will be made complete. You don't even understand how much God loves you, New Song students. You have to pray a prayer to even comprehend slightly how much God loves you. He loves. But what does he do? He doesn't just love, he gives. We have a father who gives good gifts. He's an amazing giver. He will supply every single one of your needs. The needs that you don't even know you need, he wants to supply for you. What are you worried about tonight, New Song students? What are you afraid God won't come through for you for? Have you asked your father? Because he's a giver of good gifts. He loves, he gives, and the last thing is this. What does he do? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. See, our God gives, he loves, but the last thing he does is he restores. Our God restores. Dads like to fix things. Even, get, even dads who are not handymen. I'm, not, I'm a dad, but I'm not a handyman. But if something needs to be fixed, you better bet I'm gonna get that YouTube out and I'm gonna figure it out because I'm a dad. New Song students, our father is a restorer. He's a restorer. He fixes things. I'm telling you, there is nothing you're going, that's going on in your life that is too far gone for God to fix. We serve a God who is the ultimate fixer. But my question to you tonight is, what gift are you asking for this Christmas? What gift are you focusing on? Is it the thing that you think is gonna make your life better? Is it your family or is it the gift that you didn't know you needed? Your father. Look at this, John 1, 9. The true light came into the world, which gives light to everyone. He was coming. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came into his own and his own people did not receive him. 
but that doesn't have to be you. Verse 12, look at this. But all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. New Song students, Jesus might not be the gift that you want this year, but he's the gift that you need. Jesus came to this world and God doesn't give us everything we want, but he does give us everything we need. And this is what Christmas is about. The fact that Jesus gave us the gift that we needed. Jesus, Jesus came and he came down as a baby and he was exactly what we needed. And because of that, we have the gift of a father. I wanna invite you to bow your heads